You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 177 back for our first episode of 2024. Ah, you scared me more of it. <laughs> My name is Marvin Yeah, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Starting up the new year, it's the once in future professional Asian American just Jew. Happy New Happy Year, new year bitches. Jess. Yeah, Year of the Dragon coming up fast. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. I just I, we, I was just saying that night 2019 was like five years ago. Yeah, so we're we're entering the fifth year of the pandemic. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you we are still in the pandemic because my husband has COVID right now. I oh. do not. So he is banished to the to the bottom bedroom. <laughs> I just hear him from the bottom. He's like, I miss you. I was like, get back in your hole. <laughs> Well, and Speaking I just, of COVID, uh, yes. on the mend, our own professional culture editor, Han Win. Yeah, so I didn't know you could get it that fast again, because I don't know if anyone recalls, but after Jess's wedding, um, I got COVID pretty much on the plane back or something, or in Spain. And then that was a nasty, nasty case. And then I just got it again. Uh, I tested positive on New Year's Eve. So this is my second week of that second case of COVID. Um, I'm still a little weak. Um, but yeah, COVID's twice in, what, three months? <laughs> not fun. I what the hell? Yeah, I did not think that was common it, or possible. It, well, this is the extreme uh, virality and, um, uh, and contagiousness of this particular strain, from what I hear. It's like, I, I was barely out in the world. Like, literally, I had... A meal with friends. I was masked and, uh, except for the, you know, one thing. And then I even st- had stopped going to the gym because I knew that there was, a you know, an uptick, a surge going on. And I was just doing walks instead. So however it got to me, it got to me. And um, but the hopefully the, the upside of this is even though it's highly catchable, it's not as extreme of a strain. Um, so mine is just more of a a pretty bad cold whereas the last time it was like the flu times 20 um <laughs> so yeah i'm 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 still taking it easy cuz i don't want any sort of rebound um yeah and all that stuff are you on the paxlovid i was on paxlovid they only gave me oh. 5 days worth um and it was interesting cuz the first time i was on paxlovid you know it has an extreme side effect where it tastes like you know you have pennies in your mouth it's very metallic taste Ooh. um to the point where for some reason I actually lost weight because I couldn't eat much because the foods I normally liked do not gel well with metallic f- tastes. <laughs> so so I was eating bland food, which is very weird for me because usually I eat spicy, pungent food. And, um, and then I was eating sweet foods. So this time around, I was like, well, I better plan for that. So I like bought some like just noodles and crackers. And then I got um, some soda, which is weird because I don't drink soda at all. Um, and yeah, definitely. So, so I, all this wanted... pairs well with penny taste. So things that aren't going to fight it, basically. So I like strong tastes and anything that was going to uh, and that was apparently not good with pennies. <laughs> so bland is OK with pennies. <laughs> it's been a while since I sucked on a penny. <laughs> uh, was that a thing? Did you ever? 
I mean, you know, when you're a little kid, you stick things in your mouth, right? Penny sucker. Marvin was a yeah. penny yeah. sucker. I mean, it's it's even worse than pennies, let me just say. It's it's kind of like oh. you're just like, oh, you can feel it coming and it's just like you can't escape it because it just persists. Um, but, you know, the upside of Paxlovid is hopefully it nips your symptoms in the bud pretty early because the longer you have symptoms and how and how extreme they are, the bigger chances that you can get long COVID. And so I will put up with the pennies, um, if that means. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> we don't talk about it much anymore, but cases are on the rise mm-hmm. and everyone just seems to be OK with it, which is wild. But I think we're all like trying to just ignore the problems like good 21st century Americans. <laughs> American. Right? As is our right. And you're not even American. But I know, uh, you Canadian. You Canadian penny Canadians sucker. Just, get out of here. Get Canadians out of are here. just as good at, at ignoring our problems, just like how that's racism true. exists in Canada. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> how were your holidays, Jess? I loafed around, which is great. Loafing is really fun when you're employed again. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I got some time off. And then I, 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 I do not have COVID as of right now, um, mm-hmm. which is surprising because, again, we've been, you know, in the same kind of rooms. Mm-hmm. And one of those rooms was a rave on New Year's Eve. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I kind of deserve to get COVID. Like, I was kind of asking for it. Um, but other than, you know, I'm, I'm still standing, knock on wood. Um, you know, things are picking up. The dreaded January 2nd. The first week back was rough. Let's be real. Like, that was like. Like, New Year's was, like, the scariest Sunday scaries. And then January 2nd to 5th was, like, the longest Monday where <laughs> everyone actually circled back. And you're like, oh, my God, I hate this. Uh, but, you know, now as we get into January in the groove, I've been eating a lot of soup. Like, that that's as exciting <laughs> as my life is right now. It's soup weather here in L.A. It's chilly. Soups are back like, in Costco. I'm having, like, Ivars mm. every day. It's great. Yeah, see, this is this is what, like, being an adult, boring adult mm. is now. We're like, we're talking about how <laughs> fucking excited we are about soup at Costco. Like. Because they disappeared for, like, half a year. Well, what? I'm already planning my next Costco order, and it's going to have a lot of Mila yeah, I, I have also I also need to go to Costco to buy some tires like this is this is adulthood man like you know Shang Wang was correct true I, know, I bought need a really get... cute jacket at Costco too I've been rocking it I love it we all need to just get like for our next group picture it just it should just be the three of us wearing Costco Car- crew necks they, oh, they, I yeah, do have a set. Brand. Oh, yeah. I already have a set, y'all. You need to get on that. It's hard. That's a hard. That's like a very in demand hard outfit to like to find. Yeah, They're sold I, out. I hope that they create a zip up one because I do have problems with pullovers because they get too warm for me too fast. But a zip up one means I can open it. So get on that, Kirkland. I myself had a roller coaster of a holiday season um, with some family stuff happening, which I'm not going to share on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Private, but um, glad to be back in the groove and glad to have some Asian American content to talk about <laughs> right off the bat. Because on this episode, we are talking about the brother's son, <laughs> the new action crime comedy or dramedy um, on Netflix, um, starring Michelle Yeoh, Justin Chin, um, Samsung Lee, June Lee, and um, friend of the community jenny yang also plays a role which is pretty cool um but before we get to the brother's son um it's been a couple of weeks so really interested in what pop culture everyone's into um these days so um yeah let's for the first time in 2024 (laughs) jess what's poppin 
All right. I went on a fucking trek. This was like kind of an ordeal to watch Poor Things, the newest film by the little freak, little freak guy himself, mm-hmm. uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, my little Greek little freak, little Greek freak there. Um, so it was an ordeal. It's not playing in my usual theaters with mm. the free parking. So I had a trek. My choices were Santa Anita Mall, The Grove, or the Americana at the brand. And all of those are terrible when you are talking about trying to catch a three-hour movie, essentially, after Christmas. Mm. Wait, isn't this film, like, up for Oscars? Yeah. It is. It is. And I love Yorgos. Um, I'm a big fan of The Lobster, his film with um, Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz. He did The Mm -hmm. Favorite, which won Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of awards at the last Oscars. That was the Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weisz, and Emma Emma Stone was in that as well. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Yorgos. This movie's way too long. It's (laughs) two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and you know the premise is that basically the a it's it's a it's like a Frankenstein women's sexual liberation you know all things I love, mm-hmm. um, but I was kind of let down by this movie. I actually thought it was not as sharp or insightful as some of his other stuff. He's working with his uh it, it, once again it's also a collaboration with his with the writer Tony McNamara who writes for The Great, which I also love the show Mm -hmm. um and they've worked a lot together and i don't know i felt like the performances were great you know it's like a who's who of folks we love emma stone mark ruffalo is this really like schmarmy lawyer like deviant guy really fun um you know we have rami youssef willem dafoe also a little freak i love how the little freaks find each other um there's some really fun and, and it's the most it is the most I think the most beautiful movie I've seen in a very long time. The mm-hmm. production design, the world they built, the costuming, just beautiful. Like just just like a modernisme, um, you know, bell up epoch. Like if you're a fan of Gaudi, like it's like it's if, so Gaudi. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> if they let Gaudi like design the entire like Victorian Europe world. But when it came to like the themes of like sexual liberation and stuff, I was just like it's a little obvious and maybe that's just a matter of where I'm coming from. And like, I, I live and think and about some of these, you know, these thoughts of like, what does it mean to be a woman, to be sexually liberated and to have freedom and agency and uh, everything. But I was just like, you know, he's, I think he said he's presented some ideas about like other things like love and relationship and monogamy and, power in such like funny like off kilter ways that it i did feel a little let down but i'm like this is all you got like, I, come on I, my little freaky green you, you can do better than this i th- yeah i think no i kind of agreed like i really liked the movie but i also felt like narratively it was a little simplistic and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is an adaptation of a book by a man um adapted by a man (laughs) you know Um, what i think you are correct i I think i think at the end of the day um you know yes a a book exploring the themes of women's sexual liberation and agency can only can only go so far (laughs) when written both the book the source material and the movie um in this case um and and you know like the situation of emma stone's character and how she is born into this world is like very specific mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like they don't interrogate that very often mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. they're like the good guys it's supposed to be like good guys versus bad guys but I'm just like 
oh, but they also were like, which is also a fucking shame because Frankenstein is probably one of the most interesting mm-hmm. feminist texts, both in like, you know, like the, the story itself and then the the meta story of how it was written and who wrote it in Mary Shelley. So I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, you know, I, just kind of boring <laughs> they, well they dropped the ball a little bit because the thing is like so many great things about this like performances visuals some of the like dialogue i think is fantastic um but if they cut out like a good like 45 minutes and then use that time to d- explore other things a little bit more deeply that might have been good yeah i um, think there was also, there's yeah. some storylines that I just didn't think needed to be there um you yeah. know some characters that you caught kind of could just cut out um i think you know it is kind of like a road journey coming of age movie so we're like in different locations she's like going through different things in this journey um and i feel like it's maybe like half one to half a storyline too many it's so one of my biggest issues with movies that are episodic is that i get a little bit bored by following them on this episodic journey and so it has to be really well done for me to really love it. And I even include the Lord of the Rings movies in this because it's, if it's just like, hey, here's one adventure. Now turn to the chapter to this next adventure. And so it's kind of like it's not it doesn't feel natural to me sometimes. And so um, and it does. And so for me, I think it almost sort of like expects you to. Follow that character and understand that they are also changing with this journey and if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't work for me. So, um, yeah, many things I really liked about it, but story-wise, I was a little, a little wanting. Yeah. That being said, it's still eons better than you know most <laughs> things out there. I also caught um, anyone but you. Terrible, oh. terrible. Oh. I have so many feelings about it, especially someone who just got married and went through that process. I'm like, oh. I was like, this is not how you plan a wedding. None of this makes sense. But we could talk about that on a different podcast. That's the tame meaning of the sure one, right? That is a disservice. It's it's supposed to be much ado about nothing, and that is a okay. fucking insult to much ado about nothing. Oh, this is so <laughs> sad because it's like fake dating. I totally want to yeah, see it. And you know, I was, I, I walked out of that and I was like, I can't believe like, this is everything I love. It's Shakespeare adaptation, mm-hmm. rom-com enemies to lovers, mm-hmm. fake dating, like beautiful scenery. And it was, it was a little, sorry, it was a the, little rough. The best taming of the shoe is still going to be 10 things I hate about you. So right. yes. And, right. and, and, you know, I've, I've, I'm a fucking nerd and I've watched the much ado about nothing with yeah. the recording with like David Tennant and, um, yeah. Kath- the- Donna Noble. I'm so sorry. Don't yes. know the actor's name, but <laughs> yes, Donna. Yes. And Catherine? I have actually, I watched this, I've watched this in, you know, on stage and like even the, um, even the, the little, Ken- the, the Ken- Kenneth Branagh version with mm-hmm. Keanu Denzel mm-hmm. is really fun. <laughs> like go watch any of those if you want much ado about nothing. It's, yeah. it's not. The Keanu one is sadly the one I know the best. <laughs> so you know what? everyone's right. really fucking hot in that one. So yeah, uh, yeah. don't be sorry. But anyways, but yes, poor Yorgo. things. Poor things. Yorgos. Yes, I would say go watch watching. it. It's okay. very interesting. Yorgos is like singular as in, as a filmmaker and like the little freaky stuff he does. Uh, great performances. You know, mm-hmm. they're all in the conversation. I think Emma Stone's in the conversation for best actress again. Mm-hmm. Um, and not kid friendly. Do not watch it with your children. Yeah, and and don't watch it with someone you don't want to see sex with. Yeah, lots of sex. Um, 
just a you warning. Know, do you want to see the if you don't don't watch it if you don't want to see the Hulk, you know, doing it as a person <laughs> yeah. and, and being like a little creep? It's very horny, very horny. So, I mean, I know a lot of people who even before the Hulk were pretty horny for Ruffalo. But he's no, like no, the, no, no. she's he's a t- he's like a cad in this. Um, so. No, <laughs> being horny for a character is different from the movie being the being horniest horny. thing you've yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah, it's quite horny. Um, it's very horny. Just a lot of like, a lot of sex, a lot of writing, a lot of boobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's in your face sex. Yeah. All right. <laughs> huh. All right. Han, what's popping with you? Something completely different. Not too different. I I had considered talking about Pokemon Concierge, but we're not going to go that far. We're not going to go that far. Instead, I want to talk about Godzilla Minus One, um, which is still wi- wildly different from Poor Things. Um, I saw Godzilla Minus One for Christmas, and it was a very nice gift to myself. Um, also, a lot of people in that theater at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. I've heard a lot of great things about this film. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like, I I'm glad that the trailer didn't give a hell of a lot away. I was just like, Godzilla, but a period piece. I was like, okay. And um, so as is my want is a lot of times if I'm looking forward to a movie, I try not to watch the trailer and try not to find out too much about it um, because I liked it to be a discovery. And so this one kind of worked for me. Um, it is an actual Japanese film. So prepare for subtitles. So it is a Japanese film about Godzilla. It's not a Hollywood film. And that's great. So it's um, uh, basically set during World War II. And, you know, Godzilla was the creature was um, character was created 70 years ago. So this is the 70th anniversary of Godzilla this year. And this is probably for good reason that this movie came out now. But because of that... um, you kind of go back to the roots of why Godzilla was made and created. And so you see it ends tied with World War II. So this film is literally uh, during 1945. You follow a kamikaze pilot named um, Koichi Shikishima. Uh, so Koichi, um, he goes to an island and he's like, oh, my my plane, you know, had uh, some technical issues. And one of the people who's like fixing this plane realizes, oh, no, he is a kamikaze deserter. So already right there, you see that he didn't want to do the Pearl Harbor thing. And so there's some sort of like, you know, of course, shame following him because the Japanese are all about that. Um, He didn't fulfill his purpose in the war. Um, When he gets back to his uh, uh, city of Tokyo, turns out his parents are killed in the Tokyo bombings. So there's like a lot of like shame, guilt for surviving and all this wrapped up in this one dude. And um, so it is Japanese angst times 100 with this guy. And um, he sort of starts taking um, care of this woman who is also sort of orphaned. She's taking care of a baby who was orphaned. So it's kind of like a a weird... Orphan chain? Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird found family. And he just takes a lot of risky, you know, risks. Like he becomes a minesweeper because he feels like, I already cheated death once, you know, um... And all this other stuff. And of course, um, I'm going to go back a little bit. When he was on that island to get his plane fixed, baby Godzilla showed up <gasps> and and killed everyone. And, except for that one um, technician who was just like, knew what what the deal was with him. Anyway, so fast forward and he has this like sort of weird found family. Um, Godzilla's back. 
and he's bigger and scarier than ever. Um, and they've discovered this because of his mind sweeping job. Anyway, so now we are at the point where people have to band together to try to get rid of this like extreme Godzilla. And I have to say, it really gave me kind of all of those, almost those original sort of kaiju um, feels <laughs> that you had. Like you, you, it hits all the beats of him rampaging through Tokyo. You get the the sounds. Um, of course, he has like shoots some sort of like uh, nuclear lasers from his eyes. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff about it. Like the, of course, there's a, a lot of um, sort of symbolism about what Godzilla represents to the Japanese um, and when it comes to like the bombings um, the uh, in Nagasaki and Hiroshima and then um, but also Japan's part in the war. So there's a lot of stuff mixed up in this movie about feelings. It's very patriarchal. So there's a lot of manly feelings. <laughs> um, it's but because it's a period piece, also it's kind of nice to look at you know people's clothing and just seeing like the technology. Um, it's also kind of funny. Uh, so I don't know how to go deeper into it, but at the same time, I don't want to give too much away. I I just really enjoyed it. It's a really immersive movie where you kind of come out of it feeling like, oh, wow, I just actually experienced this thing. And I have to say, period films don't always do that for me. And this one um, worked out. Maybe it was because of the language also helped me immerse myself into it. Um, But yeah, really, really, really good Godzilla film. And I think it's one of those where you can go into it not having seen any of the more recent ones because that's exactly what I did. I haven't seen a Godzilla film in like decades. So... um, for me, this is a good one to um, g- jumping into, and of course, there you know that's the reason why it's called minus one. I believe is because um, this happens a year before. I think uh, he was showing up, or, or yeah. So it came out. This movie came out twenty twenty three. Anyway, so um, yeah. I heard really yeah, good yeah. things about it. Raymond went to go watch it. He said, mm-hmm. "Well, he, it's funny." He was like, he came back. He's like, "It was really good. You would hate it." There's so much man feelings. <laughs> it's it's very, very, very manly as far as like some of the stuff that we would consider even toxic masculinity in the fact that it actually harms the man. Um, so for me, that I think that was fine. But yeah, there's like if if you're used to Japanese men in TV shows or movies like screaming their heads off, yeah, you you're gonna get some of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been. Wanting to get into Godzilla mm-hmm. for a little bit because I know the recent film and TV projects have all been pretty highly praised. Like mm-hmm. um, ever since like the more recent like films, Japanese films like Shin Godzilla <clears throat> or the um, I heard Monarch King of the Monsters. Yes. The, um, Apple. Was it Apple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard that was really good as well. So like I've been wanting to get into this, um, the mythology. But yeah. like, you know, me being having completionist tendencies i'm like do i need to go and watch every single godzilla or can i just like enjoy the recent ones i think i think i am on the boat of the recent ones because i am definitely a completionist person and maybe this will mean that i'll watch all the recent stuff and then go back but um at this point i was like this felt like the right one for me to just jump into because it is a 1945 set thing um and it is the introduction in a different way to godzilla so yeah i think this this will work out yeah I do love a 
good story that tackles toxic masculinity as a like the snake that eats itself, right? Yeah, and giant yeah. monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and it ends up not being as um, you know because it's it deals with a lot of grim things. So I will just say it's not as tragic as you it might seem to be because I think it piles it all up on you know ahead of time in order to sort of set the stakes because you know it is wor- World War Two. So you can't ignore that aspect of it. But, you know, it, it is people banding together. So hopefully um, you get the feeling that, that things end up kind of all right, even though we know Godzilla lives on for like forever. Um, but yeah, it was it's it was it's just a good time at the movies. Yeah. Um, so that's me. Marvin, what's popping with you? So, like I mentioned, I had a very hectic, kind of emotionally draining holiday season. And like to get through, I turned I turned to video games. So um, on Jess's recommendation, I did pick up Dave the Diver. Yes! <laughs> oh my god! Are you running that sushi restaurant and also yeah. fishing for that sushi restaurant and also that helping? That game has a very satisfying loop. My yes. main issue with it is as you progress into the story, those fishing trips turn from like fifteen minute jaunts in the ocean to like hour long surveys into the deep unknown. I love it kind of gets in the way with me wanting to run my sushi restaurant i know you got a balance right you're like do i do i fish more or do i i'm like i need i need to make money i need to make money i need to i need to serve serve the customers yeah. i mean i'm at i'm at the point now where i'm serving my customers sushi made of prehistoric fish yes and reptiles which is yes. pretty cool yeah yes are you farming yet i am farming mm. are you fish farming and i regular pretty much unlocked farming? everything awesome <laughs> except for the last like Mm. I'm at the last mission right now. I'm just Oh like, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good time. Um I'm I'm a I play like a little bitch. So every time I like because so basically Han in this game, if you run mm-hmm. out of oxygen and that happens when you just oh. like don't pace yourself or you get attacked mm-hmm. by like there's sharks in this game, then my advice to you, Jess, is to get good. Play You're better. F- so fucking rude. Why do I need to play better <laughs> when I can just X out of the game before I save and go to my last <laughs> save file and you know where I have not lost so basically, if you if you run out of oxygen, you get brought up and you lose your like inventory and you can only bring up one thing. So if you had like a particularly good run, it's that's like a little annoying because because, yeah, you do have to swim like fairly deep to get what mm. you need at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. The trick there, if you want to gain the system, is whenever you go into the sea, sea people village and people who play the game know this is the game saves. Yes. And so. you and you re up your oxygen, but then it's also like yeah, but then you got to run the sushi restaurant, Marvin. Eventually, yeah, but then you keep all your shit. So if you go out again and you die, you just go well, back to well. Well, sometimes the shark is attacking me in the middle of the ocean. I'm very it's far away. Easy to dodge if you know how to play. So, I do not know how to play. <laughs> so how much of this is undersea adventure, and how much of it is eating sushi? It's half and half. Oh, okay. Well, then I would say right. I would say like two thirds, one third. Two thirds, one yeah. third. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm okay with that because at first I was like, is this a bait and switch? But um, it's a pretty it's a, it's pretty cozy. Um, mm-hmm. The sharks do get more aggressive as you get lower into the depths, but they kind of just charge at you. So if you have um, do you have the dash charm? No, I use really a helps. sniper and I just snipe those bitches. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just brute force um, my way through. So I'm playing that. Um, and also I picked up Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the online version, like electronic version of Magic the Gathering. The At this point, like decades old 
collectible card game because I was playing this game when I was in middle school. And that was in middle school a long time ago. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you know, you're going to say it. In the olden days. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. I think um, the thing with Magic Gathering is it's a very social game. And at this point, I don't really want to socialize with people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to play against like actual people, but having limited communication options is actually the best like world for me because okay. um, I get to play against real people, which means it's a challenge. Uh, but I don't have to, you know, talk to them or look at them in the face. It's great. Um, but, you know, for people who I mean, if you know what magic is, you know, what I'm talking about if you don't know the basic gist is Magic the Gathering is a game where you play against uh, another character. You have a deck of cards um, and you're basically there's a lot of rules. And the thing with modern magic is like when I played magic back in my day, back when I was like, you know, 13 years old, the rules are pretty like there were a lot of rules, but they were pretty straightforward. But now after like 25 years, there are so many like keywords, concepts and cards that change the rules that I'm actually pretty happy with having the app version where the computer sorts through the rules for me. So I don't need to like, you know, interpret. the future is now old man. Get with it. Um, <laughs> I'm also happy you're playing the app version because um, real life magic car- go cards are a fiscal sink. They are money holes. Um, <laughs> I think having a drug habit would be more productive because at least you're doing other things usually while on drugs. There's That's there's- true. But if, but now, so here's the thing, right? We, we've all seen that meme about having adult money to buy childish things that you love. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I look at a box of cards, booster packs, and say, I can totally afford that. But again, that wouldn't involve making a deck of physical cards, going to a physical location and playing against actual people that I don't want to talk to. So. Yeah, or just collecting. But, you know, at a certain point, you can also be like, oh, I can just go buy single cards that's which is true what i'm that's trying to true. get get me, me mans to do at this point the difference is though once you have the physical cards if you actually do grab like one of those rares you can probably sell those people will buy it whereas um no one's buying my electronic cards they're not worth anything they're worth as long as they're worth it to you in your heart marvin <laughs> not ashamed to say though i did drop some money into this app. <laughs> there we go yeah. That's how they get you. That, that's, it's, it's been, I, I'm, I'm re I'm rediscovering the fun of finding a good combo that I like and building a deck around it and taking it out and see if it actually works. And just last night, I actually had a pretty good run where I was down early and I clawed my way back. So like I was down to like in this game you have 20 life and once you hit zero, you lose. And I was down to two life. My opponent was still at 20, and I pulled out the victory. I clawed my way back. It was a true heart of the cards moment. <laughs> I was Yu-Gi-Oh. It was great. <laughs> Did you slow clap yourself? <laughs> I ran upstairs to tell my wife, and she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, nice I'm point. proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I guess that's what's popping for this first episode of 2024. Uh, we're, t- we're going to take a quick break. When we come back... We're talking about the brother's son. Stick around. Mm, but we're still here. 
It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the brother's son, the new action comedy drama television series, um, now streaming on Netflix, created by um, Brian Wu and Brad Falchuk, who I recently discovered is Mr. Gwen Paltrow. Mr. Gwen Paltrow. Mm-hmm. Brad Falchuk um, is the co-creator of Glee. And works with Ryan Murphy. Um, and, oh, yes. And that is, yes, he's Mr. Gwyneth Paltrow for a while now. Yeah, the story is about Charles Cherlick's son, um, the oldest son of the head of the Jade Dragon Triad in Taiwan, who is sent to L.A. Um, after his father is um, attacked by assassins, attacked and wounded by assassins, um, to protect his mother and his younger brother, who has no idea his family is full of gangsters. Um <laughs> The story takes place in the SGV, uh, San Gabriel Valley, where um, Jess and I grew up. So kind of cool <laughs> to see. Um, and I'm still here, baby. What are she talking about? <laughs> She's living and dying in this SGV, the 626. <laughs> um, the series stars Michelle Yeoh as Mama's son, um, Justin Chan as Charles' son, and Samsung Lee as Bruce's son, um, the younger brother. The series also stars um, June Lee and Jenny Yang, two longtime community, I guess, comedians that mm-hmm. um, are making their dramatic debut, as well as a whole, I guess, parade of Asian American character actors, including um, Ronnie To and Ron Yuan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's always really fun to see Ron, um, who is one of the sweetest men I know. Always a gangster. Always in prison. Always some I mean, criminal, criminal informant. It's really I mean, funny. He's, he, he's a big boy. I he's mean. a big boy. He's a big boy. Um, but also just like a very nice man. Um, so it's always fun to see friends on screen. Yeah. Um, the series also boasts, I believe, an all-Asian writer's room, right? It seems like that. Um, uh, the directors were all API as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the music and, you know, a lot of touches that you can tell were from folks who had a lot of, put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we think of The Brother's Son? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing for me was, oh, this show has a lot of fighting, so it better live up. And I do have to <laughs> say, I did enjoy a lot of the fights. And there were many fights 
multiple fights per episode. Um, and for me, that was probably the thing I liked the best. The story, I liked um, Michelle Yeoh. I liked Justin Chin. I think that there was something that they almost were getting to when it came to this concept of family and the triad and stuff. Didn't quite gel for me um, when it came to that. So I was just more of looking at the action stuff and the comedy stuff. Um, Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little uneven. I think it took a little bit of time for the show to start getting, start cooking, shall we say. Um, um, It's also like, you know, it's I, I understand what they're trying to do with the pacing and the arc, but like when you get towards the end and they're like firing Michelle Yeoh on all cylinders, you're like, <laughs> I wish we got more of this like, from, from the get go. Right. Because yeah. um, she is I think she is. And her storyline is the most mm-hmm. interesting, enjoyable part of the show uh, overall. And and so it is kind of like, oh, you get a little sense of missed opportunity when you, when you towards the end, when you see like, oh, this this could have been the show firing on all cylinders. Um, so I kind of do wish it got to that point a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I I had a really good time as someone, you know, who is, again, in the SGV. I was very chuffed by the references. You you know, I might know a little too much because, you know, even in the first <laughs> episode where they're like going up and down Main Street, you know, the boiling crab sign tells all. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell you're just driving <laughs> up and down Main Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It is a really, it was a really fun game. The last week or so, I've been texting all my friends and we're like, where's this place? I'm like, this hot pot restaurant that they say <laughs> in the show doesn't exist. Where mm-hmm. is this hot pot restaurant? Yes. And like, of course, somebody in my group all knows. Um, and then we're like, oh, um, like, you know, they're like, I know where the house is, the exterior house. Like, I know exactly where it is. I'm like, oh, like, love it. You know, um, I know Marvin might have some different feelings about the SGV rep. But I did think a lot of the jokes were funny. They were like oddly specific, which, you know, mm-hmm. felt nice to be seen in that way. Um, I mean, it was fun to DiCaprio point at all the SGV locations, especially when <laughs> the exteriors don't match the interiors. Yeah, and we you know. know where both we of know. those are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're like, like 424 Garvey ain't nowhere. That's like the corner. I'm like, there's no business like that over there. <laughs> but you know there's some really really specific fun references like the gym's bakery next to the la fitness my la fitness that i go to <laughs> uh, or did go to before the pandemic and yeah and I, I definitely did go into the series with very high expectations because let's be honest like just you know we've been waiting for sgp to get rep mm-hmm. in an asian american story like the last time we had this was crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. and i might argue they did a better job of establishing a sense of place than mm. this show did um, in general. Like we got a lot of Asian American representation and we did get a lot of like tongue in cheek jokes that I admit were funny because of where we're from. Um, I kind of feel like I didn't get like SGV-ness from it. I got like someone's idea of SGV, which I'm starting to discover is kind of like a pet peeve of mine is when <laughs> the Sangable Valley is kind of reduced into like the Shangri-La of Asian American culture, mm. but not really understanding what makes it. I, I think for me, I, th- I mean, I, th- I see where you're coming from. And I think a lot of it is just, I don't know if the show was broadcasting its tone correctly from the get go, because I think there is a version of the show that is a lot more grounded. That is a lot more like realistic. Right. Um, but at, so so it's not that, 
but it's not like super campy. It does like, seem to exist in this like middle space, which mm-hmm. I think we just generally get less and less of now in a series, right? We either get like the super high prestige, which is what I thought this show was actually going to be because, you know, we have a pedigree like Michelle Yeoh and, you know, like the trailers look very like dark and very twisty, but it's, it's more akin to like, almost like, and I mean, this as a compliment because trust me, I love these. It's more like a CW show. Yeah. It definitely gave like, (laughs) and we can get into this, but like, this is not a, it's not a very good crime story. The crime is kind of the wrapping around like mm-hmm. a family story and hijinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was when they were making San Gabriel, the city of San Gabriel, which is my hometown, into like a metropolitan city within itself that I kind of like, okay. I did like, laugh when they were like, really. San Gabriel PD and like UC as like University of California, San Gabriel. Like, oh, we, Cal State University. We, we're not we big do enough not UC. have that. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have like Rio Hondo, right? We have community colleges. Um, it would have been PCC. That's like the, the SGV, like. Or ELAC. I mean, if you were, ELAC. Or ELAC. Or Caltech. I mean, Caltech is probably the most prestigious yeah, university but, in the But, but I, I, I see where you're coming from. They kind of conflated like some, you know, they, they made it more popping than it really is um and i do think that's also antithetical to the show because they're supposed to be like just laying super low right like in the suburban it, yeah. I, I mean like look i'm not from sgv but i kind of see <laughs> what you're saying it's like there's a lot of trappings of sgv but not enough of the soul and flavor of it I mean, really um yeah so. or i think it's just <laughs> weird because you have to do it in a way that makes sense to a broader audience so like the fact that, you know, a lot of these conversations are happening in English and you're just like, that's I mean, not happening, right? right or right. Yeah. And some of the Chinese, I mean, honestly, is not great. <laughs> I was going to ask about the Chinese. Their Chinese is not great. Uh, which there's a Mandarin specific Mandarin. scene where there's a younger version of one of our characters who has been port- who had been portrayed as speaking pretty good Mandarin, mm-hmm. speaking terrible <laughs> non-native Mandarin. <laughs> In that which, scene. Which I, I'm also okay to forgive because, you know, it's a win for the ABCs. Like, let's just cast <laughs> ABCs. We we need that yeah. shot. Um, and, you know, if the Mandarin's not perfect, like, it's fine. No one else is going to notice. Uh, but I did think they did, like, some other cultural aspects really well in, like, the setting up. Like, I anytime they're, like, the plot or, like, the issues arise because Bruce can only understand like a third of the Chinese. Yes. I'm like, that, that is very accurate. You know, even mm-hmm. like when he, when you go to his translation, the subtitles like start dropping because <laughs> he's only picking up like every fifth word. I'm like, damn, like that, that's a detail that I felt like very seen. And- there is a really great scene where he somehow has been, has been lampooned into being the go between in a, a mafia boss meeting and yeah. being conducted entirely in Mandarin, he's like, I'm the worst person for <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, so, so it's really funny. It's like these very relatable um, situations that a lot of like ABC kids, second gen, second, third gen kids go through. But like at a, at a ridiculous scale, or like an amped up campy scale. Um, and I think that's when the show was like most successful in its tone. And and again, like um, like the fight scenes, I thought conceptually mm-hmm. were like really fun, mm-hmm. like like I feel like they had such a good time in that writer's room thinking like what is the most ridiculous situation where we can kill a bunch of guys um, like kids birthday party dinosaur mm-hmm. birthday like we're gonna have a bunch of assassins in inflatable dino costumes great 
uh, we're gonna like <laughs> the you know the the, the, the the Korean Top Golf scene. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was great. The the spa that was great. It's like all places I think we as like LA Asian Americans are very familiar with, and like they're just like adding this level of like spectacle to it. Although you want to know the one trope that I'm actually getting tired of in these Asian American productions. Tell me, Marvin. Is the Mandarin cover of American pop songs. <laughs> I don't think we needed it. I had a, I feel like we could, I, we could I have just like used we, a Cheryl Crow version or, of that song and it would be the same. You, you might just be overexposed to this, I have to say. <laughs> I'm I'm not doesn't bother me, but like if we're gonna go for like authenticity, it would have actually been really nice to have some like old school karaoke jams. Like throw in some of the mm-hmm. deeper Teresa Tang cuts, some you know, Jackie Chung, some They did have that one song that played in the pet warehouse that <laughs> was definitely one of those like, well, I don't know if it was Teresa Tang, but it was definitely was like a Shanghai like nineteen twenty mm-hmm. standard type of song. Yeah, but uh, you know it I think, you know, in 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 a perfect world, I think, you know, this some of aspects of the show would have been a little tighter, a little a little more elevated. Um, but uh, I I had a fun time and I'm not mad. Like that's the thing. Like there have been shows where like outside of like conception or like whatever, it's just like, oh, this is bad and I am mad at it because it's like offensive in some like principle way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this show may not have reached the heights um, I wanted, we wanted, yeah. but like, I'm not mad at it. You know what might have also contributed to my like experience is my wife and I, right before watching this show, <laughs> binged The Diplomat. Uh, Wait, that's like, like top tier, like, yeah, yeah like yeah. prestige <laughs> drama. And so, and that's the thing. Like, I think that's, that's like the weird thing where like Netflix, I think, like, it can range, right? Like we mm-hmm. can get the like super prestige dramas, and then we can get like the campy like broader shows that like probably belong more on like network. Yeah, you should have watched like an Adam Sandler film first. Watch something worse first, and then you know because I I, yeah. I think this is a show that is in like in many ways. I think the appeal is just sort of some of the broad elements. Like I think my mom would enjoy this show, right? But. She's also not as rigorously cr- critical <laughs> as yeah. I am when it comes to narrative and things like that. And the thing is, like, the pieces are there. Like, some of the themes that they touch on this and, like, the the antagonists, mm-hmm. like, are, is the type that, like, they kind of have a point, right? Yes. And yes. if oh, they yeah. really did, like, all in on, like, what triads and what that whole society really is and, like, kind of take it, to be honest, like, more seriously, this could have it, been... It, it, it was a like, weird line that they tried to tow because I even went into it thinking, okay, how are they going to do a comedy of this because triads and mobs and all that type of stuff inherently, you know, are going to be using, like, ethically, not even gray, you know, um strategy so it's kind of like are you going to be glamorizing yeah. this violence and so they and they're do full of like toxic masculine like yeah like they, i think honestly i wanted chinese the sopranos yeah no and it i was got not. not that yeah no, no. I, I think they yeah. started to try to do that and i think that's why it has that inconsistent tone because i think they could have just pulled back entirely and made it more comedic perhaps well, i mean and less, the most compelling yeah. scenes were in the later episodes when you have this scene with Michelle Yeoh and one of the crime bosses mm-hmm. entirely in wow. Mandarin. That was one of the most <laughs> yes. compelling scenes in the entire yeah. show. Because You're also you putting have... two movie stars 
Yeah, on TV. Like, like that's I the think, thing. Yeah, like, I think those we, are need, we do need stars. to talk about like Michelle Yeoh definitely carries the show mm-hmm. on her back. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. every scene with her in it is just like she's delightful. Yeah, yeah, she you know, she, she like, carries it. So yeah, when she's like Even sleuthing, lines, it's really yeah. fun. Like when she's just like trying to find who has the big shoe, uh, right? Like down to like the inti- like she's she's fantastic and yeah. You know, I think the show knows that. Um, but I mean, even when the show is doing the some just the most melodramatic like mm-hmm. lines, like she is she is acting her butt off. Yeah. Like, I with her entire face. And this is the other thing when it comes to like I actually like it when someone when a TV show or movie can do melodrama in such a way that I am enjoying it. And this one doesn't quite be, like doesn't quite get there, but of course she can deliver anything. So, so I think that's, that's kind of the thing is like, there were a lot of desires uh, um, and you can see them all mixed up on the screen there. And so some people, you know, Michelle Yeoh, who is an amazing actress, can kind of handle anything that's thrown at her. Um, and I don't know if everyone could have, you know, it wasn't as consistently handled. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Justin Chan as our protagonist, her like son I think he did his job pretty well. He has, he, t- he takes on a lot because he's kind of like, he takes on a role having, having to explain a lot of things, yeah. which is never like the best role Ex- to have. Because, exposi- Basil yeah. Exposition, <laughs> basically, uh, yes. was his role. And he had a lot thrown at him. Not only did he have to be the physical embodiment of triad um, assassin toxic masculinity, right? But he also had to do exposition and explain Chinese-ness to his brother, right? <laughs> um, he also had the flip side of him, which is where he would hide his most uh, sensitive side, which is he likes to bake. And honestly, I thought he delivered that pretty well, too. Um, one of my favorite lines is, like, in the middle of everything, he's just like, um, I'm perfecting my churro recipe. And he, the way he <laughs> deadpans that line is so good that I'm just like, not everyone could have handled everything. And I think he showed that quite a few times that he was able to handle like the dramatic and the humorous as far as his tone, because he was never overtly funny. Right. He was always like ironically yeah. or deadpan funny. Um, I also did like Sam Song Lee as Bruce. I mean, mm-hmm. he was annoying as all hell, but I think that was the point. Yeah, he, he is he's an just like influencer. a sweet soft boy who is. I, I is think that he, where he comes from? <laughs> oh, yeah, is yeah. he? Yeah, he creates video. In, um, uh, just go to his Instagram. It's his whole. All of it is his, his content. I think it's, it's so it a fits. little. Oh, it's a little rough in the beginning. I think he's a little broad in the beginning, but I think he like mm-hmm. finds his way into the character and into like Sam's journey of, um, you know, like of everything he has I, to learn. I yeah. didn't love his improv well here's the like, funny storyline <laughs> yeah well here's the funny thing because like even though he does come from you know his video influencer comedy background i agree that i didn't i i wasn't quite buying it until later in the season when he actually became more serious um which is an interesting thing because i've always you know argued that like comedy is harder and so maybe like maybe there's a flip here but yes his character is has a burning desire to be an improv comedian to it the just, point. <laughs> it just feels like someone on that writing floor, like someone in that writing room, really wanted to prove their parents that improv is serious work. It was yeah, also <laughs> not very deep on the improv. It was like I took one 
class or read a Wikipedia entry on improv, and this is all I know about it. Um, also, you know, I, I'm you know sorry, but just making I'm, things up. I'm also just like, I'm sorry, but like you are under attack as is your family. Like improv will be there. Like focus up, bro. Focus up. Like you're going to be fine. You, yeah. you know, the groundlings will be there. I, I mean, I guess technically not, but uh, you know, like you, you can get on the next show. You know, I, I actually have a lot of respect for improv, but that's also maybe why I wanted more from this this plot. We line. know too much. We know too yeah. much about the improv. We, we know, know too, too much. much about the San Gabriel Valley. We know too much <laughs> about the Main Street and where the boiling crab is. Yeah, yeah, this is true. That's um, probably it. I do want to call attention to what I think is probably one of the strongest parts for me, at least for the show, which is the production design mm-hmm. and the set design. Yes, like, yes. Those houses, like I've been to those houses. My it was parents great. have one of those houses. The My costuming, houses. the housing, Craft, the yeah. set, the furniture, like the just the clutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, well like, done, well done. Yeah, shout out to our friend Vera Chow, who is the costume designer on this. <gasps> oh, on this show. I was gonna try to interview her because I was wanted to ask about not only. Does Michelle Yeoh have some fantastic outfits, especially near the end? Um, but I wanted to ask about a few other things. Like there was a Fallout Men t-shirt. Um, <laughs> a and, Filipino cover band. Yes, the Filipino cover band. And then also Justin uh, Justin Chin wears some delightful aprons uh, <laughs> while he is baking. So I just wanted, I was just curious, like, where did she source those? Most likely from SGV. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I just want to hear the stories. You go into the random dollar store, <laughs> yes. like the off-brand Chinese dollar store that's like in the strip mall and you go to town, baby. That's, yeah. that's what you do. She does have good stories about thrifting for yeah, her costumes. Those, so. I love talking to costume designers about how they source their stuff because usually yeah. it is about like, Oh, I just went or like I went to my mom's closet and I stole her jacket, you know, or something like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But Great like, job. Yeah, look, all the sets, production design, you know, like the, the seafood restaurants, the random like restaurants. Um, I think the locate even the locations in like Taiwan, never, you know, not Taiwanese. So maybe Marvin, you can attest to this, but just like really like very cool, very uh like grounded settings i feel like that's that's also kind of jarring right like the the set is so grounded in real right real life and then you have like these really outlandish things happening there's a scene in taiwan where um Mm. michelle yo goes into a room with like a dresser Mm. and those that dresser just came straight from my grandma's room like it's just (laughs) what like the production design knew what the 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 people behind the production design really knew the assignment, which is great because um, it did create that sense of that created the sense of place that I was looking for in like specifically Asian, Chinese American, Taiwanese American homes and houses. Um, they did that way better than um, um, which, which was great. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the, the 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 episode where Michelle Yeoh goes to Taiwan, though, definitely the um, the instructions for the cinematographer there was like, make this look like a one car wife film. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, and I mean I'm not mad at that. I fucking love <laughs> any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Give me Michelle Yeoh. Michelle definitely ride. does the uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro stick her head out the window yes, scene yes. from um was it Chunking Express or yeah I think it's Chunking Express. Express. You know what? I don't care if that's a cheap trick. It fucking works every time. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and I guess you know. Sometimes, so I'm, I'm stealing this bit from one of my favorite podcasts when they were talking about the Book of Boba Fett, which is, you know, mm-hmm. 
to really express my feelings, and you have to ask yourselves three questions, right? Was this good? Was this fun? And did I like it? And I think it was fun. Mm-hmm. I had fun. I like it despite, you know, my misgivings. But I don't know if it was good. I don't think it's good. I, I think the word good is kind of squishy. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it was bad. Uh, no, it wasn't bad. But right. I don't, yeah. Right. So that's what I mean. It's like, so it's not the opposite of bad. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you and know, I think, I think it was, I think it's, you know, hopefully we'll get another season. Because yeah. um, I think now that they've gotten all that out of the way, <laughs> now you could just go straight into cooking. Like now you mm-hmm. can just send like <laughs> Michelle Yeoh and like, you know, Justin Chin as, you know, Charles and Alan. Eileen into like the lion's den mm-hmm. right so like what does that look like we, we don't have to go through because I think there was a little part of like the the like suspense building where they're like oh like oh yeah you know she's important like oh no like don't tell him like why you're so important I'm like are we really gonna, how long are we gonna play this game like yeah let's just get to it um so hopefully now that that's out of the way we can like I do hope if they do get a second season, they improve on the crime aspect the crime. of the show. Because for me, that was probably the weakest part was like, I did not buy them being triads, right? Triads are triads are scary. Yeah, they're not good guys. Like, yeah, and the, the triads that were presented to us in the show weren't scary, right? They're just a bunch of goofy thought, dudes. I thought they were pretty... I, I did respect the show for just like killing a lot of people like mm-hmm. killing yes. you know just like not being shy about like establishing like this is a show where like people are gonna get their heads smashed in and like characters you fall in love with are getting their you know getting executed um you know like that i thought was like something that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do in a broadcast so that's i think that is where like the netflix of it all comes in um and it is a little goofy, but I do like the fact that it shows something that I have always been on record saying, which is that our people, Marvin, are hustlers and thieves. And all <laughs> Chinese people, deep down, are a little bit corruptible. Are a little corrupt. We're a little, we're a little shady. We're yeah. a little shasty. I guess for me, I wish I saw more of that, right? Like, yeah, and I think that's kind of where the confusion is, right? Like, they're... They apparently they supposedly have like operations, but we never see it. And I think there's just an inconsistency with the crime part of it, specifically the hierarchy and operations. Um, that like we're, I, we're I get it, I get it. It's yeah. like how I watch Jurassic World, and and all I can think about is how you can't feed a great white <laughs> shark to the Megasaurus every day because we haven't developed the technology to raise great white sharks in captivity. Like there's an opera. Is your operation mind being like, this is not how the triads would work. Like (laughs) (laughs) I think part of it is also, and you know, one of my favorite book series is Jade city by Fonda Lee. And that is a book that builds a believable, like triad, like crime syndicate. And so I think again, it's probably another 
instance of I just know too much. Know too much. You're you're burdened <laughs> with knowledge as a as a Taiwanese man living Taiwanese Canadian <laughs> man living in the San Gabriel Valley. You 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 know too much. You're too close. Yeah, too close. That's probably it. But like you would be more Bruce than <laughs> than Charles. Mm. I am assuming. Or are you Terrence? I mean, I am the elder brother. Are you, are you killing people with a chair leg? Not with a chair leg. With love. <laughs> and kindness. Uh, speaking of Terrence, <laughs> shout out to June. Uh, yes. Who's great as... Uh, I love TK. characters that like don't matter to the plot, but just like... <laughs> oh, yeah. He's Add joy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, TK, Terrence King. Really fun. Just like flavor and energy as the drug dealing best friend. So, shout out to June. I think he got cast. I, I, if I recall correctly, he got cast from like an open casting call. So, yeah, props to great. <laughs> All right, there's much more to discuss um, in our spoiler zone for the brother son, but um, we can put a cap on our regular discussion here um, with our final question: Jess Han is the brother son good pop? I will go ahead and say yes. I had fun watching it. I think, despite a lot of my quibbles. Um, it was an enjoyable time, um, and I would recommend it to people uh, who want to have a little bit of an escape. Yeah, I think ultimately the pros outweigh the cons, or or I guess the regrets we have of what was not <laughs> done, um, I should say. And, you know, I I do hope we get another season and we get, you know, that we get to see more Michelle Yell doing this kind of stuff. So it's really fucking fun when she's big boss, like, when she's Lao Ban. Like, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think I fall on the side of good pop, too. Um, it is fun. The action is great. Um, there are parts that hit. Um, I do have misgivings. I do have things I wish the show done better. But that's I think that's more of a me thing than the show thing. Right. The show knows what it is. And <laughs> the advocate side of me wants the show to do well and that's why i did my part and you know binge the series opening weekend because those numbers do matter because mm-hmm. you know we'll talk about this in our uh, this month's do we want this but we're lo- like we two shows got canceled this past week right um american born chinese and warrior mm-hmm. um i mean streamers that second season is not guaranteed even shows that sometimes do well don't but if it's undeniable then they will continue keeping it. And and also yeah. if it's like maybe not too expensive. But right. um, yeah, so it, it does I was about make to say you can't cancel Michelle Yeoh, but she did get canceled mm-hmm. in American, American, American Born Chinese. Born Chinese. So. She wasn't the lead though. Like, no, she this wasn't. Is like, this That's is like true. her being the lead. And um, I think the story is only going to grow from her like point of view more as – now that all the secrets are out and and she really is the uh, her character is really kind of like the the linchpin in that now in that family. So, yeah, hopefully we get a second season. We get more fun guest stars. I mean, come on. Like, did you not scream out loud when Russell Wong popped up? Yes. Like, I was just come like, on. You're like, oh, my God. At first, right? I was like, why are we in this random? Oh, <laughs> I was just like, OK, now I know why we're in a, um, a jazz bar. So. Why are we in this random is probably a pretty good. Um, yeah, and and even even pretty, like some of the smaller like roles, like you know the like the the, the sellout weapons dealer, like that's an OG, and you know, all of these like faces that like. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about 
John Cho's non-cameo cameo. Oh my god, they had to get clearance for that, right? Yes, they did. I asked. (laughs) Okay, okay, because that was hilarious. Um, You know, John Cho's a pretty private person for a celebrity, and uh, very chuffed that he was down for the for that bit. Um, Yeah, that was great. Um, But you know, there's so many other people you can cram in this show. Um, So let's hope for more seasons so we get more fun cameos. Yeah. All right. Well, Jay Chow should cameo. <laughs> Jay Chow should be there as a, as a magic cameo. gangster. He He'd loves magic. That, that man will do anything to be on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for our discussion of The Brother's Son and for our first episode of 2024. Um, just on excited to go on another year of good pop adventures with the two of you. Uh, but if people want to find out more of your thoughts on the internet... Where can they go right now? On Twitter, I guess still. Just you tweets. Yeah, I'm still on Twitter, and but I'm also on threads and Instagram at Anonymous. Yeah, Twitter's getting real dire these days. Yeah. I mean, but it's still it has, alive It somehow, still has its so. moments. It still has like really mm-hmm. fun times. Um, but yeah, some of the functionality is It was is kind of fun great. to be on it while Joe Coy was hosting the Golden Globes. <laughs> And that's all we'll say about that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yes, stick around for our Brother Son Spoiler Zone, where we'll be going over some of the twists and turns in the plot of um, that show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. All right, we're going to do a quick brother son spoiler zone because there are some things i need to get off my chest (laughs) um so from this moment on all plot twists and reveals will be on the table for our discussion and i guess this isn't really a plot twist but i did want to ask you guys what do we think about the um romance subplot in this show the the one specifically about um which one the, the the girl the boxer girl and, well, and there's that one, and the, the and Charles's no, one the, with the, the attorney cop, DA, yeah. the DA. Well, I mean, first of all, I just I mentioned that I didn't think this was a very good crime show, but also wasn't a very good like cop show neither. No, like it, it wanted to be Law and Order or whatever it was, kind of didn't. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like they put in the I think with with the whole like Grace plot line or is that her name the the Grace was the um Bruce's very, she was immediately sus, she was immediately right? sus because no woman is like I want to see her improv show wow <laughs> like that should have been red flag which I was that was deliberate she, she, right yeah she was way too excited about improv like even if I enjoy improv I would not go into raptures about it to a some I mean, like at dude. that point I still felt he like she was the writer's improv power fantasy where it's like, yes, girls are attracted to improv. 
they're super excited about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that was immediately like we knew that she was something was up with her. I, I get the desire to introduce like a there uh, an obstacle, you know, like a past, you know, romance. I, I'm not against that. I just think in ex- like if you're going to do that, you got to like if you if it's going to be like more a big deal, then you have to draw it out. Like you can't have them kissing in episode four or whatever right like it has to be complicated in other ways if that's the end game and then if it's just like a like miscommunication and i'm here to complicate like there's no need to have them actually like be intimate like i I feel like that was just we're talking about charles and alexis right yeah charles and alexis i'm like i think like just and i also i always feel like alexis's plotline and storyline was always like kind of like an appendage to like the main family drama right she's supposed to be an obstacle and i just don't think we get enough yeah of her like there's not enough character for her to like for us for me to really care about like why she care about her she's career driven and she eats korean noodles straight yeah um i think this is also the issue when they're trying to do too many plots and too many characters, like they don't have time to yeah. like, develop the women. And especially mm-hmm. when you know in the end that these women are going to betray them in some way, they really don't go into them because you they don't want us to suspect too much. But at the same time, I was just like, you know, you really could have created better characters and plots for them. And then it w- we would have felt the sting of betrayal even more. I, and <laughs> I think that is the, the issue of it feeling like mm-hmm. a CW20 episode show in eight, like we don't get the time to develop. We don't get to like spend time with these folks so that they actually care, you know, about them and the outcome or the relationships. Um, And then you just kind of want to get back to like the main plot faster. Yeah. I mean, the Alexis storyline did give us opportunities to see Rodney Toe as the (laughs) detective she works with, Mm -hmm. which he's always great. I feel like I wish he had more to do. Yeah. Yeah, or like right, like if you're gonna sh- introduce a whole like sector, like the cop world, which it's also like let's be real, they're trying to get a cop in the show without being a cop because cops are too complicated to write right now. Mm-hmm. We're we're not gonna root for a cop, um, right? So they're trying to like get around with like a DA. And DAs are kind of cops, and though. DAs are still in the carceral system and mm-hmm. are cops, mm-hmm. just in the legal sense. So it's like oh, like at that point, I would have preferred like you just for like like if you're gonna introduce a cop to like complicate things like introduce a cop like stand by the decision and like stick to it and build that world out like why should i care about this whole entire segment like like a third of this world like maybe a little less than a third like if you're gonna tell me make me spend time in this world and ask me to care about it i do think it should be a little more developed like the world and the dynamics and the motivations of not just her but like of rodney and like what it means like 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 because again as we they're trying to draw this fine line of like triads are bad, but don't be mad at the, this triad family. Cause there are heroes, but I'm like, Oh, but you know, in one episode blatantly, Charles is like, yeah, we do gambling prostitution, <laughs> like, yeah. like forgery. Like I'm just but like, specifically oh. not human trafficking because the returns aren't good. Yes, exactly. That, that's <laughs> just not good business. Um, and it's below the J dragons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like because there's a lot of rich storytelling history in like cops and triads, right? Like mm-hmm. Infernal Affairs made three mm-hmm. movies about that dynamic, which very compelling cinema, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish that was done a little better. The 
the other romance between Grace and um, I was about to say Brian, but Bruce. Uh, Bruce. Um, between Grace and Bruce, I feel like that had more uh, a more compelling narrative and betrayal, mm-hmm. and the whole reveal that the antagonists, which they call themselves the boxers, which again very mm-hmm. on the nose, right? Boxer yes. rebellion. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the boxers. Um. Which is there? There are a bunch of former victims of triads whose goal is to destroy the triads. That's pretty compelling. I feel like there's something there, right? I I, I wish we explored more about like Bruce falling into his crime family, feeling a part of it, and then realizing, hey, no, triads hurt people. Mm-hmm. Like they've been doing hurting people for like hundreds of years. Yeah, there could have been something. Yeah, there a lot deeper. One too many plots. Just. Yeah, eight episodes, man. Yeah, not a lot you can. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of cramming to do when you're doing the Netflix model. Let's be real. You mentioned that the show has like CW vibes, and that was never more apparent than the moment when Bruce came to rescue his mom from the boxers with an army of aunties. I was okay with that, you know. I mean, I laughed, but yeah, yeah, I was like, I can't believe they did that because it's. Not really like it's funny, but that's I didn't buy it. No, I was fine. See, I was fine with it. I think honestly, they should have like lessened all of the seriousness of the show because I think that's you were wanting a more gritty, serious show. I think they could have gone in the other direction, just went all silly. Um, yeah, and one yeah. of your, I think it's the middle ground that's kind of like sort of frustrating us. So <laughs> they could have laid because yeah, if this was like just pure comedy, then. It would have worked better for me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have taken it quite as seriously as far as like <laughs> some of the triad disappointments. Because I did yeah, I did find myself wanting them to actually, half of me wanted them to take seriously some of the stuff that they were bringing up. But then the other half of me was just like, or we could just do this other thing. <laughs> I mean, the auntie mahjong backroom of Newport Seafood yeah. was pretty funny. That, that was, was great, great, right? That was yeah. Newport Seafood, right? Yes, it's supposed yeah. to be Newport. Delicious lobster. I don't think there's an illegal mahjong den in the back. I, <laughs> That's what you, you know. think. I mean, uh, I know the family who runs it, but, you know, who knows? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I see, I, again, I say CW show as a compliment because when CW mm-hmm. shows are good... They're fucking fun, you know. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. having a good time. Um, we've seen some like really not great stuff come out of uh, some streamers, so I'm, I'm not mad. Um, what do we think about the ending of the series, where everyone kind of gets their happy ending? I mean, uh... it's set up. I think it's always like, you know, this could be the ending, but you know, it's open enough to reopen the story if needed um because they're obviously you know they're you, you watch the cut scene right there's still some nefarious things going on yeah i mean i guess for me it felt a little again maybe this is me wanting a more gritty crime story yeah. i felt a little too it's clean. not like that no one show really lost anything i mean not everyone survived, right? You know, we lost Jenny Yang. We lost um, mm-hmm. Blood her boots. friend. We lost yeah. Yoshisu Darso after he does his pommel horse thing. <laughs> that was funny. Though. I laughed yeah, at that. Yeah, that was great. Gag. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I do kind of agree that there's still a way you can go pretty dark with comedy and actually have some sort of stakes and makes makes you kind of like 
appreciate the comedy aspect more. Um, I, like, here's the thing. Would I understand that that was not the journey that they wanted for these characters as far as... But I would have liked it, honestly, if somehow Bruce is the one who went with his mom to Taipei or Taiwan and... Um, and Charles stayed behind to run his bakery. Oh my god, I wanted him to run that bakery so right. bad. It was so sweet. I'm like, every time that man baked, I'm like, let him cook. Just let yeah. him cook. He even, you know, created a little sticker for his pink box. Like there, there was like he he got these industrial mixers. It was just like kind of like let him relax for a little bit. But I do understand why they didn't do that. Um but it would have been nice to have like that as a three month respite. And then if season two comes back, then they can be like, he couldn't deal with having this much fun free time. And he, I you mean, know, like I find it hard to relax when I'm on vacation because of my overwork and whatever burnout. So it would have been interesting for him to also try to relax and realize that he couldn't quite do that yet. I mean, um, it's not outside the realm of possibility that some of our favorite Chinese bakeries are fronts for our triad operations. It, true. So, very like, true. He, oh, he, oh, he could just slide like back. definitely many restaurants, <laughs> many restaurants. One, one very famously, there was like a whole LA Times article about how it was like owned by like the like there's a triangulation between drug cartels in Mexico, Chinese money, and like America, and like how they get it in, and like one of the headquarters is like this restaurant right on Garvey, like by you know that like. <laughs> friends yeah. parents have worked at and i'm just like Whoa. i feel like that would have been an interesting way to kind of show how i think organized you want, crime works in i think but that's a much house. subtler show right because no one is like coming in and like beating people up in those shows it's it's more like yeah it's like yeah. sopranos it's like down it's violent think, in a different yeah. way but it's much more low-key yeah i think like you said the cw vibes were like this is a show that requires people to have martial arts fights which if we we're really doing a grounded organized there would be crime, no martial arts fights no yes. it would just be just stabbing and shooting right? stabbing like, guns yes um yeah. a much much less cool like just much <laughs> much more gritty yeah so i think that's that's just a different show sorry marvin that show will come <laughs> to you one day i want you to write that show can i get into your fellowship program I don't run that shit no more, so uh, you could try. I have no more bearing or weight in that. Yeah, I still uh, need to try to get into that. Uh, okay, one last question before we call it. What did y'all think of the gratuitous Bake Off cameos? Like, you bake know, off I have never related to a character faster in my life <laughs> than just, you know, being alone, baking some cake, watching the season, um... I, that is the that is the season of Man Out. and Kim Joy, yeah. Yeah, Kim Joy Man Out. Which I'm like, oh, I, I like how you picked the season where like the three Asian folks yes. made it to the <laughs> made it to to the final. I feel like that was deliberate. Um and you know, just being really sad that your cake's been burned. Uh which I thought was a really funny mm-hmm. like bit in that first scene. Like something smells like a burn and you just you're just like pissed off every time someone mentions it. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, let this man bake his cake, which is, you know, an allegory for his journey. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, that'll do it for our discussion, our spoiler zone for the brother's son. Um, hope you enjoy listening to our thoughts. And yeah, definitely if you haven't watched it yet, um, check it out. It's streaming on Netflix now. Um, let's get it that second season because I do want to see more. I want to see what they do with it. So um, here's hoping. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to our first good pop of the year. 
And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.